0: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings! Happy Friday! We are here, back live and on demand on the Steve Dace Show, here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you want to let us know what you think about what we think, 888 is the number here to the Blaze, 888 Thirty three ninety three, and you can always let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access one of three ways you can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace show. And the last name is spelled D E A C E. And the overwhelming amount of feedback I have received in the past 24 hours. It has to do with baby boomers after yesterday's uh, uh, comments, which I will uh, readdress later in the show and not take back. Uh, and then um, also, why? Because like all the historical evidence, like all of it is on my side. Uh, but uh, also whether I had anything to do with uh, now pumpkin spice spam. Which we did. We did figure that out and that's all your fault. Yes, Aaron thought he was being original in, in, in sending this to me and not realizing approximately 347 of you have also sent to me uh, the notion that or the announcement that spam will be releasing a pumpkin spice variation and 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 for all of you that keep asking me no that does not change the official show position which remains pumpkin spice all the things all of the things all of them it's time for the day's group Your weekly look at the week that was, we bring in the fourth member of our jury this week, our good friend John Miller, our White House correspondent here at Blaze TV. John, good to see you, brother. How are you? Great to see you, Steve. How are you doing? Are you you down with the pumpkin spice, all the things, John? So so
0: you're a brave man, Steve, for actually admitting it. So I, once every fall, will get a pumpkin spice latte. But I don't tell anybody about it. I just kind of do it in private (laughs) and enjoy it. So I give you props for actually saying it in public that you're a fan. Cause I, I'm I, I think it's I think it's basic. I don't I I would never
1: I, I am comfortable enough in my own masculinity or uh, my self esteem is at such a subterranean <laughs> level that I just don't even care anymore. Well, Phil Collins. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it. I'm issue- also a big fan of spam, by the way. I, I, I'm the only person. Hey, I ate some of it when I was a kid. Spam. Yeah. Government cheese, spam. I, I mean, I, my <laughs> mom was on welfare when I was a kid. I know what that stuff tastes like. You bet. All right. Let's get to issue one. Greenland, why the hell not? Just kidding. Uh, bleep, Democrats say. <laughs> For the first time since
0: 1981, the RNC will be allowed to cheat and lie and go into polling places and scare voters.
2: You know, I think Donald Trump is trying to deflect. If Bill Clinton has exposure, then so does Donald Trump. Bill Clinton socialized with Epstein, so did Donald Trump. Bill Clinton was on the private plane, so was Donald Trump. The fact is that Mr. Epstein took his own life. He died while he was in the custody of the Trump administration. Bill Barr directs the Bureau of Prisons and they allowed, in some ways they facilitated Mr. Epstein's
1: suicide.
0: So meanwhile, the investigation of Epstein's death now falls into the hands of William Barr. Donald Trump's consigliere and attorney general who refused to recuse himself on the Epstein case despite his association with a law firm once involved with Epstein, whose father once hired Jeffrey Epstein as a teacher with neither experience nor degree,
3: and whose prime directive is to protect Donald Trump no matter what. In other words, we may never get the answers to how Jeffrey Epstein was allowed to
1: die. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. As much as it's technologically possible, I think we need to draw down our fossil fuels as much as as much as much we possibly can. I don't think we should build another pipeline at all in the United States of America. It's a matter of our survival. I don't even think it's a matter of political opinion. It's scientific fact.
3: If you're supportive of a, of a mandatory buyback,
2: then the, the, the next step is that you then prosecute, criminally prosecute those who don't sell them back, which could result in jail time for those individuals. Are you supportive of that?
1: So, the point is, you don't want people using uh, assault weapons, Um, and so the point is, if you are arrested for using an assault weapon, you're going to have an aggravated felony. What's your reaction to these initial reports, and I stress the word, initial reports?
2: Well, it's just, when will it stop, right? um, Part of of my focus on what we need to do around smart gun safety laws is recognize that, um, we have to have more enforcement around gun dealers. Okay, well first I want to say that yes, guns are the common factor. And the common enemy in all of this is Mitch McConnell. But this administration doesn't want to protect anything or anyone other than white supremacy. So Trump relied on a coalition and a core part of that coalition were racists. In this case, I mean, it's very clear the president's actions and words have conveyed uh, a very strong sense to many, many Americans that uh, he has white supremacist beliefs. Well, you should re- wish for a
1: recession, because that will definitely get him really? unelected. Okay, but you don't really no. want a
3: recession. I really
1: do. You're gonna we have survived many recessions. No. We can't You're survive another Donald Trump, Trump. Trump Well,
2: I think the thing is, journalists have all started to understand that this idea of objectivity that we were all raised to follow is not working. It's leading to false equivalence, where you just sort of repeat
0: um, a lie that was stated. Monday.
1: Can I just say what my favorite part was before I get to you guys? Yeah. It's, it it's, was the unforced error that actually made it better. So that, that clip of Bernie Sanders here uh, yeah. in Iowa, and there was no audio. Aaron is over there in his little con- command center freaking out. Where's the audio? Where, I'm like, and I looked at him and said, no. Just a silently raving Bernie Sanders <laughs> as the Soviet <laughs> national anthem plays. Perfect. That's that That was better than whatever he was actually going to say, yeah. I promise. All right. But for the rest of you, what was your favorite ride on the crazy train this week? Todd, I'll start with you. Go ahead. My my favorite is clearly there at the
3: end. I caught Julia, somebody, some journalist, because it's just so redeeming. It's a great I told you so moment from my time at the Des Moines Register when I just just admit it. Come on. We're just here in the room. Just admit it. And when they say, oh, this, this whole objectivity ride, yeah, it's kind of not so much. You know, <clears throat> we got to kind of, you know, got to go our own way here and, and, and make sure that we're not giving all sides to every story. So there's still, there's still spin, but I, I, I absolutely love how now they are stepping out of that just refusing to wear it uh i had i can't tell you the amount of conversations i had with other journalists and uh while i was one uh that they sh- that they should just come out and do this but th- no more lies no more lies the new york times just came out and did the same thing yeah we, we 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 gotta admit we took the loss on that whole russia collusion thing, but we're gonna pivot hard to racism it it, it, it it's it's better just it, 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 it's 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 worse but it's uh, this is like what's the thing, Aaron? That you really loved um, revival and
1: bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. When did they try? When did they actually try the? Uh, they weren't trying, but try they were the, lying uh, about it. That's my try point. Try the equal time, the unbiased thing. When did they give that a shot? They weren't. You know? They
3: weren't really trying. Nineteen seventy-eight. They really lied hard. I mean, eighty-two. They, they hated. I mean, Steve. You. They hated me having these conversations with them. Right. They just it could not stand it. Maybe Because their skin they were, get
1: they they because you when people like you compel this conversation. They have been permitted to live in an arena where their opinion and narrative is the is the objective view. Correct. And and so therefore, they don't they, to have to come out from underneath that fig leaf, and and just be honest about what the ultimate aim of this entire process here. That's what they disdain. They don't want to have to do that. They wanna. They don't want the scam to be up. Right. No, and that's what they're still not being totally honest. Again, this is still like they're—they're trying
3: to be object. We're being really objective about the need to be subjective now. That's basically what she said. I mean, it's insane what she said, but it's still closer to the reality of the
1: situation. John, your turn.
0: Uh, I mean, it's insane to me that all of those things were said, and yet the biggest story this week was arguably the uh, Chris Cuomo Fredo issue. That was what everyone was talking about. Now I'm a I'm a I'm somebody who mocked Chris Cuomo mercilessly on this. And Steve, you had a uh, you had a, a very insightful column on this, I think, talking about how once we accept the fact that it is okay to mock Chris Cuomo, we basically open up the gates. Nothing is off limits because we've accepted the mob rules.
1: No, That's not entirely what I meant. Just to clarify, I have no problem with you okay. mocking Chris Cuomo. Okay. When we when we when we borrow their tactics where Chris Cuomo is not is now open game everywhere he goes. All right? When Chris Cuomo steps into the arena Man, I don't, I don't I don't, care if you treat him the way they treat baby seals, uh, you know, on the National Geographic specials. You can club him all you want. He's in the arena. That's the game. But when he steps outside of the arena, if we're going to say that you are always, if I disagree with you, you are always fair game. You know, we made a big deal about it. Got a lot of clicks here on the right when they were doing this to Ted, Ted Cruz and Sarah Huckabee at restaurants. That's That was the point of my piece. I mean, I have no problem ridiculing when someone brings dumbassery into the arena. Shake them. I don't have a problem with that. No, and I I agree with you on that.
0: Okay, I do. I do think there's a distinction to be made though between when somebody says, "Hey, Fredo," in the public sphere versus when someone uh, you know spits on you in public, like they did Pam Bondi, or when someone refuses to uh, to serve you at a restaurant. Because in my opinion, um, you know that doesn't for me that doesn't rise above the kind of um attention any public figures in a gate. You know, I I I'm from LA. So if you're a public figure and you step outside your house, people are gonna say stuff to you. So I think there needs to be a distinction between what is actual harassment, you know, showing up at someone's door That's a good point. and showing up yeah. at someone's house and saying, you know, hey, uh, yeah. uh, you can't sleep, which is what I think they did to um, Kristen Nielsen. So I but but I totally agree. Saying that he deserves this is definitely opening up the gates and saying that public figures deserve to be harassed in public, uh, I think you do have to draw a line there. Um, but I think there is some room uh, for a case by case basis um, on, on what is actually harassment.
1: All right, Aaron, what was your favorite thing from your own your own stash here? Monday,
2: uh, either that, <laughs> either that, or the uh, the connecting the dots. This is two straight weeks now of uh, figures on. Uh, I think it was both MSNBC connecting the dots on conspiracies, con- connecting you know Epstein's death however that uh, came about to donald trump and bill barr i I really love now that we are getting into conspiracy theory territory just they're just coming out and and um and just being open and honest about it last week it was i think it was last week was the 8-8 guy the heil hitler guy uh this week it's uh, a couple of different people just connecting all the dots and uh assigning blame and motive and um, and uh, all of that good stuff to to the Trump administration and uh, Epstein's death. You know, we still don't know how it happened, but uh, I just like that they're being open and honest about it now.
1: Did the, does the Beta or Work rebrand oh. look to you an awful lot like what we already saw from Beta or Work? What's the who's that? What's the what's the rebrand? I mean, is it more emphatic arm waving? I mean, what what is? Do you know what the does anybody here know what a Beta or Work rebrand looks like? Looking <laughs> look awful lot like what we had already saw that. Even Democratic primary voters are like, this is a total clown show and I, I don't want to have any part of this. What is his rebrand?
3: No more standing on tables. I don't know.
1: Okay. I just wanted, I, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't misinformed and missed something because he was, he, was, he was building up this rebrand and I'm like, this looks like your brand.
0: <laughs> Wait, is, this is the third rebrand, right? Or is this yes. the second? I think it's the second rebrand, This is the third Beto brand, and they all look the same. Yes, they so, all look
1: the same. I, Yes,
0: I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's more hands. You know, he, he's, he's it's something about his hand movements that are really disturbing because I use my hands a lot when I talk. But there's something that makes his hands look
1: just very weird. It's just very I like unnatural. the way he like he like it, 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 he's like a con, he conducts himself like he's a symphony. <laughs> how he goes like this.
3: I like how he yeah, does that. It, he, I it, think he's the conducting movement. himself
1: it's, like it's the, all right, this next part's going to be really <laughs> amplified and you are to react. Right. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being Lindsey Graham's flaccid tea level and 10 being Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. Rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. I'm going with a three this week. Thought it was tame this week, Todd. Yeah, yeah
3: I'm pretty numb. I'm, I've been high, but I've, I'm going down to a five.
1: Uh, you thought it was kind of tame too. John, what about you? I think four to five is about right. You know,
0: you don't, you don't want to place it too high because you got to leave room for how bad it's going to get, which it will get worse. So I, I think that's three, four, five right around that area.
1: All right, let's get to issue two. Epstein.
2: Last Friday evening, documents were unsealed in the case of financier and accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. The documents revealed several high-profile names in connection with Epstein's illicit sexual activities, including former New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson and former U.S. Senator George Mitchell, among others. Saturday morning, Epstein was found dead from suspected suicide. He was not on suicide watch for unknown reasons, despite an attempt at suicide last month. Conspiracy theories and outrage poured forth over the internet and from talking heads all weekend, all asking the same question. How could one of the highest-profile inmates at one of the highest security prisons get away with hanging himself? According to an initial report by the New York Post, no video evidence of the alleged suicide exists. U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr released a statement on Saturday saying he was appalled at the news that Epstein was dead and appointed the inspector general to lead an investigation into the circumstances of Epstein's death. On Monday, Barr said,
0: We are now learning of serious irregularities at this facility that are deeply concerning, and demand a thorough investigation. The FBI and the Office of Inspector General are doing just that. We will get to the bottom of what happened, and there will be accountability. But let me assure you that this case will continue on against anyone who was complicit with Epstein. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy.
2: Apparently, there's some technical issues with our videos today. The Bernie Sanders thing pulled out much uh, better than this one did. The last two stories were recapping what broke on Wednesday and Thursday. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported that two security guards actually fell asleep at the same time. They were supposed to check on Epstein every half hour but they didn't check on him for over three hours. That was apparently enough time for Epstein to commit suicide. And then late Wednesday into Thursday, the Washington Post reported sources connected with the autopsy of Jeffrey Epstein, saying that he had broken multiple bones in his neck. That's consistent with suicide by hanging, especially in older people, but it's even more consistent with homicide by strangulation. The cause of death, according to the autopsy, is still pending.
1: And, and when we say it, it can be consistent with hanging, but we're talking usually over uh, a, a pretty high, a high ceiling, correct? Yeah. Yeah, not from like a bedpost? Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the first question. On a scale of one to 10, with one being as questionable as Lindsey Graham's gender identity and 10 being as certain as Elon Omar's hatred of America, how confident are you that Attorney General Barr will get real answers here and then why are you giving us that answer? John, I'll start with you.
0: I'm going to put it at about a five. I mean, you know, there, there's two mindsets on this. There, you know, there's the, the there's the conspiracy side, which say that, you know, he was murdered. It wasn't a suicide. And then there are people who are saying that, you know, this is more a result of failures in our criminal justice system and, and our prisons. Uh, I'm leaning more on the conspiracy side. And the fact that all of this goes so deep, the fact that someone was able to be murdered, you know, if that's what happened in such a high security prison really raises some questions about how deep does this actually go? And if it really does go that deep, that something that like that was possible to happen. It kind of just gives you a picture of how how deep all of this is and, and and how really powerful people and a lot of people who have connections are able to pull off really um impressive scary stuff so you know I, I, the, there there's evidence out there that shows it, you, you've got the bones you've got the coincidence that the guards fell asleep all of the cameras shutting off that kind of rings kind of like a conspiracy to me so i i think that uh when you have all of that and if if so if that's able to be pulled off in a prison you've got a system there that really is preventing from people like Barr from finding out about what actually happened um but I can't say anything conclusively, but you know, that's just sort of my thoughts and sort of, you know, we'll see how all of this rolls out. But at the moment, that's kind of where I stand.
1: So I think the last time, um, a judicial official went with the, um, the guards fell asleep excuse. I I think his name was Pontius Pilate. I think that's the last time that was rolled out for a real high profile case. If I, if I, my history is right. Um, so, But John, I got to push back on, the, on, on you pushing a conspiracy here. So what I hear you saying is that you're having a hard time believing that mere hours after the initial docu-dump from a federal judge was unveiled last Friday, where the, for the first time, names we had not yet heard, uh, high-profile names, George Mitchell, who for 20 years was the most high-profile Democrat in America, uh, Bill Richardson, a former governor, Clinton cabinet official, Prince Andrew. So so high-profile names for the first time are unveiled uh, in the first unsealing of documents pertaining to uh, Jeffrey Epstein's latest indictment. Just mere hours after that takes place, um, his cellmate earlier in the day is removed. He's taken off suicide watch for reasons no one yet understands why m- just mere days before. And in a maximum security prison where literally everything is bolted to the floor or the wall, uh, he is an, able to acquire the instrumentation possible to commit suicide, hanging himself from a bedpost as opposed to from a ceiling, uh, and is able to enact trauma on his neck that is pretty difficult for a man to do totally on his own, particularly of his age from such a low trajectory, which is why it's more commonly associated, these sorts of external trauma, uh, traumas to the neck are more commonly associated with strangulation. It just so happened that they don't have a video feed of this, uh, and and the guards just, thankfully... Thankfully, this was the night they fell asleep, and and you know not the night that a serial killer or um you know one of those illegal aliens that we let out to rape women again uh, would just happen to be in prison that night when they fell asleep, so they could have gotten out. Thankfully, this was the night that they happened to fall asleep, so that this could all take place. You mean to tell me with all of that timing and with all of those random facts, you just have a hard time believing that's all a coincidence, John? Just, uh,
0: it's, call me insane. Call me insane. But you know, it's uh it it was probably. It was probably a result of just a couple of coincidences, a couple of failures. Uh, I, I think that it, it's disturbing for a lot of Americans to know that people in power are actually have this much ability. You can just to, take out their to own to trash
1: in broad daylight, people. right? Is that what you're? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. And so, and so, you know, uh, uh, journalistically, I, I have to be careful here, treading on this, but uh, I, I think that we're not going to really find out what happened because there are too many high up people in power who know things and who have dirt on each other. And as a result, that will mutual, absurd destruction. Is that what you're saying? That's what I believe.
1: Yeah. So Todd, what do you think? Scale of one to 10, how likely do you think it is? Bill Barr gets any real answers here?
3: One. Welcome to my schizophrenia here because you'll recall that I was, uh, very impressed with what I believe to be carefully chosen words from Bill Barr, which we repeated right there about should not
1: rest the, easy on, the, on Monday show, right? I yeah. believe
3: that, but it's like, we just got done talking about recently, recently about the, the, the desire and the will to want to run for office versus the desire to will to govern once you're there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe he seems like the kind of guy that believes that here at the outset, but honestly, it, in the moment of hearing you guys talking about it, it, this is so obvious, so ham handed it, they, they're basically daring anybody to try and come after them because okay? we don't care if the story is airtight. And so, Bill, a guy like Bill Barr—I'm not kidding—with a with a president who is not going to really have his back on this, a guy a guy like Bill Barr has honestly got to be thinking: How do I care about this enough to to always be looking over my shoulder to potentially take be take rubbed out myself? I'm not even kidding we are entering that level of twilight zone and i don't i just think he's going to come to a point where i'm doing this for jeffrey epstein do i I, the crazy voices in your head that you used to put aside i'm listening to all of them now man
2: (laughs) aaron i'd say on a scale of one to ten i would say stephen paddock's motives the las vegas shooter Mm -hmm. um but i would i would put it at a uh you know I'd be the same as Todd at at a one at this point I mean when was the last time when was the last time that we actually got an answer to something that we really wanted an answer to and I'm trying to think off the top of my and something that was actually important you know it, it's just this this news cycle that's part of it we talk about the the attention span of Americans so often and that's kind of a, a lazy fallback but at the end of the day it's it's true. I mean we're going to move on to, to something else. We already did for the most part this week and by this time next week uh, it's going to be Epstein who. Uh, I that's that's what this is going to be like. So I don't I'm not holding my breath if if we had such little intellectual curiosity about what happened in Las Vegas, I don't know why we're going to have any modicum of that over a long period of time with this story. I will credit, I mean Credit the Washington Post for actually questioning a a little bit the uh, the the main narrative on uh, on overnight Wednesday into Thursday with their story about about the broken bones in his neck. But um, other than that, though, I can I can see this story going away really fast.
1: So I'll, I'll I'll reiterate what I said earlier this week. This this story is a red line for me on a personal level, which will spill over professionally. And you know we talked about this for two hours on Monday, so you two don't need to have me repeat this, and and most of the audience heard it as well. John, you weren't here, so I'll kind of give you the the cliff notes version. But um, I, I find conspiracy theorism, as someone who used to be heavily invested in this stuff, I used to read all the Kennedy assassination conspiracies and UFO conspiracies and all that stuff. And when I was a kid, but a lot of times they require a level of sophistication. Human nature is often not capable of pulling off, especially when it teams up with others. But in this case, these random facts are so obvious that they, they, these can't all be coincidences, especially given what is at stake here. That with, with with the information this guy has and who he has it on or who he had it on, that if, if we don't get some answers on this, I, I could see my, I could see from this time forward, I could see me going places on this platform and how I see the news that I would have never contemplated before. Just because I just, if if they can just get away with just taking out their trash like this in broad daylight and there's no accountability whatsoever, then, and the only, and the official story is the entire federal maximum security prison process and all safeguards were undone because two guards fell asleep, then, I, I mean, Then I don't know how you keep how you hold the system accountable for anything like ever. Like ever. I mean, I I don't I don't I don't if 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 everybody is that much embedded with one another, with each other's smut and depravity and everything and and self-interests, that there is just no as John articulated, mutual assured destruction is so bent in that there's no real accountability. Then I I'm gonna change the way I do this show from from this time forward. I'm dead serious when I say that. Johnny, you I, want to spend a minute responding quickly? Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I'll do it quickly because I am relatively new to Washington. I've been here about two years now, and on a much smaller level—not on a pedophilia ring, prostitution level—but um, on a much smaller level, have seen firsthand how it works. How you know you get dirt on somebody else, they have dirt on you, and therefore you guys both know that you—you you, this guy can't say anything about this guy because this guy. We'll say that thing about that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's how this town works. And that's how New York city works. And that's how these rings work. And so it's, it's not a leap in faith for me to believe that that can be achieved on a much higher level because I see it firsthand in Washington and it, it's horrifying and it's disgusting.
1: Let's get to the exit question. If how nervous bill Clinton and other VIPs in Epstein's orbit should be right now, were a Billy Joel song, which Billy Joel song should it be a pressure B New York state of mind or C? Don't ask me why. Too early to tell. What do you think? What do you think, Todd?
3: New York state of mind.
1: John? Yeah, I agree. New
2: York, New York state of mind.
1: Yeah, I just... If, that's, if that is... If you guys are right, and I'm, I suspect you probably are, but if you guys are right, man, a lot of safeguards and other things I used to have in place around here, I'm just going to remove them. I'm going to really, truly reevaluate how we do, not why, well, I'm never gonna evaluate why we do it, that's never gonna change. But I am going to reevaluate and we'll have those conversations here as a team and a staff. How do we do what we do? I mean, should we cite anything as a source? And I mean it, like anything. How do, how do we know anything we are opining on and commenting on is accurate? Since we, we don't have time to independently gather all of our own facts, right? How do we know anything that we're commenting on? Any of it is true any of it is we'll come back halfway through our weekly look at the week that was live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast stay tuned All right, back here, live and on demand on The Blaze, I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me as well as Aaron McIntyre, our fourth member of our panel here as we roll on uh, with The Dace Group is our White House correspondent, John Miller, here from Blaze TV. Gentlemen, let's get to issue three. Explain this, please. A new Economist YouGov poll
2: found that 67% of Americans want Congress to, quote, do something about gun violence. That same poll found that 41% of Americans do not believe that stricter gun laws would have prevented the recent mass shootings.
1: I got nothing. All right, so in this same poll, when when asked if if they thought any of these stricter gun laws would would have prevented any of the most recent mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, we had one in Philadelphia last night, by the way, in the exact same street as the cop shooter... Notice that we're not getting wall-to-wall coverage of that mass shooting. In fact, some of you listening to us or watching us right now, probably were, you're like, wait, there was a mass shooting in Philadelphia last night? Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't fit the narrative that we're trying to go after here. So that's why most of you are not aware of it. But when asked about any, any of these stricter gun law suggestions in this poll, you know, would they have prevented what recently happened in El Paso and Dayton? the most popular answer by seven points was no, right? 41 to 34, the rest were kind of unsure. So the most popular answer by seven points was no, would not have prevented these things. And yet in this exact same poll, two thirds of Americans want laws that the majority of the people who want these laws admit. Either would A, they're not sure have any effect or B, wouldn't. I feel like that one gif, uh, who am I thinking of? The actor, uh, Nathan, um, where he wants to talk, wants to make the point about self-awareness. Nathan Falloon. All right. And he goes, he, he does this a million times. Th- I know which one you Yeah. Okay. I I feel like living that out in real time. John, can you, can you translate these polling results for me? What, what does this it, mean? No, I, I can't, I, you know, to give the
0: poll respondents some credit, you know, you go to sleep hearing that 22 people died in El Paso. You wake up the next morning, nine more people killed in Dayton, Ohio. And then you get a phone call from a pollster saying, well, do you think Congress should do something? Maybe you're going to say yes, uh, and then your answers aren't going to make any sense. You're not at your most analytical sure. state yeah. after that. Sure. That's the only way I can explain these because obviously these they don't make any sense. And I think the American people are looking and, you know, for – most of my adult life, actually all of my adult life, you know, we've been asking, how do we fix this gun shooting epidemic? And, you know, first, you know, they, it's always been gun control. And then people, you know, for a little bit, it was video games. Oh, that's what's causing these shootings. And then it was mental health. Um, I think these quick hot button solutions to these this major problem of, of just guys who think they can go up and shoot up a place. Is not going to come from Washington, but I think it is human nature always has been to say we need government to do something about it. But the answer is not going to come out of this town. I got it. I hate to break it to you,
3: Todd. Yeah, I mean, the schizophrenia of the answer has nothing to do with guns per se. And this is the product of what is the most educated now they're most educated, educated in terms of the amount Edumacated. of time, yeah, t- time they've spent <laughs> in doing some book learning. This is the product of it. You are double-minded in all of your ways. You talk about uh, Christians uh, and the church and what they believe. You and any number of issues. Steve talks about polling. If you ask uh, tr- ask about the same topic. But you uh, you reword it in one way or the other. You can get swings like this because sure. people are people are have just been um, turned into uh, uh, these people who ultimately they think thinking is feeling. So th- this is just where we live now. You know, I, I just there's no and I said this before. There's no common sense anymore. Common sense is something that is the product. Of uh, living under a way of thinking and being for a long time, and we had something according to that, based on the founding of our country, the only country that was founded on a creed. But you, 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 you never park there anymore. We have destroyed that. Education has largely destroyed that. And so, this is not a unique poll to gun violence. You, we get polling results like this all the time, which is why a guy like Steve, who's pretty darn good at diving into the details and prognosticating about anything, whether it's sports or politics, but it's becoming increasingly impossible for guys like him to do that and provide information for you because of this double-mindedness.
1: I mean, I, I actually give credit to YouGov and The Economist. I mean, YouGov is an online polling firm. The Economist, um, you know, I've done interviews and stuff with them before, but you know, they're, uh, they tend to tilt to the left for sure. Okay. I give them credit for even asking the question, do you think that these policies would make a difference, would end these? Because in most of your push polling, where guns are concerned, you won't even get a question like that asked because it blows up the entire narrative, right? So I, I give them question. I give them credit for even asking that question, but this is a level of schizophrenia, and I've seen it. I've been a part of polling samples before, and I've talked about it on the rape and incest question, on the on the life issue after what happened in 2012 with Todd Akin and Richard Murdoch. I was part of a of, of, a, of a group of pro life folks that did a polling sample in numerous states, my home state of Iowa being one that were deemed to be battleground states in 2016. And and how do you message you know pro life with exceptions? And in the same polling sample. Early on, and early on in the survey, when we asked folks essentially the the premise of the question from the Planned Parenthood community, when we asked them, um, "Should a woman be forced to carry a term a child that she was that she did not want to have but was but forcibly conceived in rape and incest?" Over seventy percent of, of of the people in Iowa said no. And then, when we later in the same sample to the same or the same survey to the same sample of people we turned it around and said, should an unborn child be executed for the crimes of his father if his father's a rapist? About 60 some odd percent of those exact same people said no. All right. It was just a matter of how we framed the question. So I suspect after what YouGov and The Economist discovered by daring to even ask. and, And oh, by the way. Yes, of course. We all agree, as we merch, as we clutch our pearls. Something must be done. And then asking him, "Oh, by the way, do you think any of these things would have stopped any of these things?" to to find out the majority of those same people said probably not. I I, I suspect we may not get that question asked again anytime
2: soon. <laughs> Aaron, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this means one of three things. I, I think either one, uh, this is just uh, a result of an extraordinarily generic question that you gov and the economist uh, the economist asked which you know do something about gun that can mean anything that can mean anything to anybody um so it doesn't necessarily mean gun control so i think it could be a product of that it is definitely or secondly it it is probably most definitely a product of as you guys put it schizophrenia or just a systemic lack of critical thinking uh from the american people that's the second possibility or third the schizophrenia could be explained by people, maybe, uh, support of the Second Amendment in general is just going down. So yeah, we we want to get rid of guns, but uh, we don't think that uh, this uh, violence will will stop as well. I don't think it's that one, but I think it's definitely mostly a result of people just not really thinking through things, and the question is really generic as well. Uh, it, it, it's still, none of these possibilities to explain this are good, but... There are explanations, uh, nonetheless.
1: So, to follow up on what you were just saying, Aaron, there's certain issues that the polling is irrelevant because the voter intensity when we actually have an election on those issues is proven. You know, so gun issues... And and notions of gun control, banning assault weapons, which have been banned since 1987, banning semi-assault weapons, you can almost turn any weapon into a uh, semi-assault weapon with the right uh, accessorizing as far as, as, I believe, if my knowledge on that is correct. So a lot of these terms mean nothing and everything all at the exact same time, and most people aren't educated on them, right? So if you did polling on those things... And if you did this for years, the polling would actually line up with a lot of the talking points you see on MSNBC and CNN. But, but, it, but in terms of the voter intensity on this issue, it is, dis, it is decidedly one-sided, meaning there's a lot of people like, yeah, stop the global warming. Yeah, yeah, make it end, please. I want Mother Earth to survive. All right, But the amount of intensity that people vote on that issue is minuscule. The uh, so it so even though polling may be in favor of cap and trade, the amount of people that actually vote on that, that care enough to make that a reason they go to the polls is minuscule for guns. The the polling on gun control and stuff is irrelevant because the amount of people that if you're if chances are if you're driven to go to the polls on guns, you're pro-gun overwhelmingly so because the voter intensity is all on one side. I wonder, could we eventually see that erode? especially if the president's going to take up the banner for things like red flag laws and, and some of his populist base that isn't really conservative, but, it, you know, uh, is, and, and will tend to amend their beliefs on things to align with where he's at at the moment. Could we see some of that voter intensity for the second, Am- that's been pro second amendment all of our careers? Could that begin to subside? Which brings me to my exit question. If the future of the second amendment over just the next three years were an Elton John song, which Elton John song would it be? A, I'm still standing. B, Candle in the Wind, which means, you know, the wind blows, all right? Or C, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. What do you think, Aaron?
2: At first, when you said Elton John, I was going to say Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but I think in the next three years, it's definitely more accurate to say Candle in the
1: Wind. Which means you think it, 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 it's, it's just hanging on. It's hanging in. Okay. What do you think? Same. John. John. Yeah, I would say the same. I mean, for, I've asked all of
0: these eggheads in Washington. The Constitution clearly says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. As someone who's been working very hard to try to get a concealed carry in cities like New York and Washington, D.C. and can't, how is that not already infringement? And, you know, all of these experts explain, you know, Heller and everything. It's pretty basic to me. So for me, the Second Amendment's already gone out the window. Mm.
1: Let's get to issue four. How far are you willing to go from Mother Earth? As the Earth continues to warm
2: or cool, depending on which is more politically expedient on any given day, universities across this pale blue dot are starting to put their carbon emissions where their mouths are. The latest example of this comes from the University of London goldsmiths who recently announced they've blocked the sale of any beef product, increased taxes for water bottles and disposable cups, and installed solar panels across campus as part of an initiative to decrease carbon emissions and fight global warming. Francis Corner, the university's head, told BBC News, quote, Declaring a climate emergency cannot be empty words. I truly believe we face a defining moment in global history, and Goldsmiths now stands shoulder to shoulder with other organizations willing to call the alarm and take urgent action to cut carbon use, end quote. (laughs) A rule of broadcasting.
1: Anytime I can use farm animals, I'm going to use farm animals. Okay not sure where that rule is posted but by all means so here's our question what are you guys willing to give up to stop global warming from killing the world Todd what are you willing to give up uh eating in moderation eating in moderation I
3: I will instead of being responsible uh and eating just beef some of the time and then mixing in salads I will eat up the ante! I will eat nothing but steak and beef, and try to push uh, that craving and hunger in me to extinction levels events of cows, so that they no longer exist. Just because I eat them so much, I will try to make that happen for you. So, in the near term, we're going to be eating a lot of beef, but I'll try. To just knock all those cars out. You can't even keep up with me. I will be eating so much beef.
1: John, John, will it? So, like a reverse let. <laughs> yes. That's what you're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like That's it. That's exactly right. John, what are you willing to give up? You know, I'm not that concerned about
0: my carbon footprint. You know, all of these people out there talking, I mean, flying around in private jets, Bernie Sanders flying to every campaign stop, Pete Buttigieg flying to every campaign stop in a private jet, telling us how we have to reduce our carbon footprint and how I can't have a soda with the straw. It's ridiculous. My carbon footprint isn't that big. So I'll probably, you know, sometimes I'll remember to bring, um, you know, one of those reusable bags to the grocery store because they charge you in D.C. But other than that, I'm not really that concerned.
1: You get charged for a grocery bag? For a bag. Correct.
0: Ten cents for a bag. The guilt charge. So so they force you. They force you into having to bring, you know, those hippie bags that are made out of canvas.
1: When... When I worked for the cruise campaign, my kids used to uh, just panically ask me constantly, Daddy, are we going to have to move to DC? And when I hear stories like, You get charged for a grocery bag, I'm like, Those are the moments I'm like, Maybe it's not, maybe we're better off that he lost. Having to live there, no. Aaron.
2: Uh, Elon Omar. Ayanna, Presley, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Rashida. Wait a minute, is this who or what we're willing to give up? Anything. I mean, you can whatever you'd like, <laughs> whatever you'd like. Oh, I stand with that. Okay, yeah. let's get to our predictions. Aaron, you go first. Go. Uh, this is the last one. AFC East. Uh, it's going to be New England and who? Doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't it,
1: matter. It doesn't the Rock matter. Says I'll still pick
2: second. Miami to be second. I think they're going to surprise this year. New York Jets and then uh, the Buffalo Bills will finishing for so you
1: think a team quarterback by josh rosen is going to finish ahead of two guys that were picked in the top 10 of the nba ever the nfl draft over the last couple of years
2: you just said doesn't
0: matter
1: okay Okay. and and and, and you're right it it doesn't matter john your prediction go ahead
0: Uh, i'm going to give the dnc nomination to either warren or kamala biden sinks i think he's out Uh,
1: i i think the most likely outcome is elizabeth warren will be the nominee uh and i agree with you on that um and I think it's because when you look at the primary calendar, her organization here in Iowa is very strong. And she's not particularly pro- popular in, a nat- in her native New Hampshire, but I think if she were to win Iowa, she'd go in there with a lot of momentum and it would really weaken Biden. And it, and that would give her a shot to win the first two states. And if she wins the first two states, she's she's going to be the nominee. Kamala Harris needs Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren to split the first two states so that she can kind of lay a marker down in South Carolina with a higher black vote even though her polling with black voters in the Democratic Party is really bad but that's kind of what she needs i don't think she's going to win either of the first two states so she needs a split verdict in those first two states to kind of draw a line in the sand in South Carolina they're they're they've tr- so truncated their their schedule that i don't i don't think it's going to be I don't think she can just kind of wait for California, her native California on Super Tuesday and then try to go from there. But I'm with you that on the Elizabeth Warren side. Todd?
3: As a primary and perhaps the only plank of his reelection campaign, Trump is going to sue the New York Times for libel. I Hmm. mean, the New York Times is just baiting him. With what
1: particular impetus? The whole racism thing? Is that what you think it's going to be? I mean, they're just, it's on. Okay. Interesting. That is a fascinating prediction can a sitting president do that? Right? You can't sue a sitting president, right? You can't bog him down with lawsuits, things of that nature, but can he sue you in reverse? Oh, I think so. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know what the constitutional application of that is, but that's a fascinating prediction. I'm going back to the democratic presidential race with my prediction as well. I think in the next 90 days, there's going to be a credible Iowa poll that has Tom Steyer pulling ahead of Bernie Sanders. He is bombarding our airwaves with ads, bombarding them, all right. And and he got into the uh, the next debate, raised his name idea enough to do that. Uh, Bernie's polling in Iowa is not even charm and soft. I mean, it's get a depends, okay, uh, to stop the incontinence. So I, I'm going to say over the next 90 days, there's going to be a credible Iowa poll that has billionaire philanth uh, or hedge hedge uh, hedge fund manager. Uh, Tom Steyer pulling ahead of Bernie Sanders. Think that's possible? Yeah, I, over there? I'm
2: actually really surprised, and I have been for a while now with Tom Steyer. I think the day after he announced that he was running, that was still when I was binge-watching Lost on, uh, on Hulu, Literally the day after that, every single commercial break, there was at least one or two ads for Steyer. So yep. I think this was, more, this was more organized on his part Other than, um, rather than just, hey, I'm really rich and really bored. Let me go do something. I think he actually at least had some sort of plan. So I can totally see that. I, that and I
1: think, yeah, I think I like his message. Well, I mean, I like it strategically. I'm not in favor of it. I, but the message of I can beat Donald Trump
0: okay yeah, when you have a guy who's when you have a guy who's saying you know trump as a billionaire to billionaire yep, trump is a fraud and a failure i have to acknowledge that his ads although i don't agree with them are effective
1: it's an effective message i agree for for the crowd that he is he's peddling to no doubt john always good to see you thanks for joining us again this time on the days group okay
0: good to see you steve
1: all right take care we'll come back our number two feedback friday is next stay tuned All right, we are back here live and on demand on the Blaze TV radio and podcasts. Steve Days, Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre. By the way, if you are listening to us today via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review via the podcasting platform of your choice, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, Thank you to so many of you that already have. Thousands of you have done that for us, in fact. But the reason why we ask you to do this for us is because the more of those we continue to compile, the more kind our benevolent overlords known as the Algorithms uh, uh, smile upon us, and 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 the more they like us, the more they help uh, to f- us to find more people like you, which makes it more likely we get to continue to do this for a living. So, if you haven't done so for us already, please consider doing so. Uh, if you have already done it for us, maybe consider doing it a couple times. All right, eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Show. We're getting to your feedback here in uh, un momento. But uh, but first, I want to let you know that uh, this portion of Feedback Friday brought to you by our friends at Zone, who want to help you reach your goals when it comes to getting healthier and to losing weight. And for a lot of us, uh, there's this little thing that goes between the gut and the brain called OEA. It's a signal. That lets the brain know when the gut is full, so the brain can then kick in and do its part, you know, with metabolism and uh, and all those sorts of things that are supposed to work a certain way. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal known as OEA just isn't very strong. And that's where Ridgizone comes in. If you ever got yourself a bottle, turned over the back, looked at the ingredients, you're going to know it doesn't have 15 ingredients. It only has Three, and the overwhelmingly main ingredient is this OEA. It's not loaded with caffeine. It's not a stimulant, not a whole bunch of chemicals that you've never heard of. It's just about boosting that signal to help you get your cravings under control and to control your portion sizes. Because unless you have food allergies, it's not what you eat but how much, all right? If you want to give RidUZone a shot, go to the website, riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E at riduzone.com, and you use my name, Steve, as a promo code. They will give you a discount there at riduzone, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, riduzone.com. So I want to get to Feedback Friday, and, and I want to start with what is overwhelmingly dominating my inbox the last 24 hours. One of them's kind of fun. Well, actually, I think both of them are. But uh, this would be more of the traditional nature of fun. Sometimes what I find fun, most people, I don't. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you guys can stop emailing emailing me now the picture of pumpkin spice spam. I've I've got it. I've seen it. (laughs) Noted. And now what that means is I'm going to get 500 more. And if that happens, Respect. Because, hey, I get it. I hate the game, not the player. And that's, that's how we roll around here. We do that to you. So I, I, I won't begrudge you. But if, if you're sending it to me not to troll me, but because you think I'm not aware of this, I, I want you to know I am aware, all right? Very aware. Because dozens of you have made me aware of this, okay? So it, I, will, I will even concede in my mission to pumpkin spice all the things, the pumpkin spice spam, and I did eat plenty of spam when I was a kid, all right? I was born a poor white child, um, okay? <laughs> but uh, um, it would not be high on the list of things to pumpkin spice. I will even grant you that point. You know, I, 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 I could think of 10, 20, 30 things right now to pumpkin spice before we even got to spam, and probably more if you gave me time. Nonetheless, you can stop asking, no. It does not change the official show position, which remains pumpkin spice, all the things. And remains
2: remains in protest of uh, by me and Todd.
1: Can you guys give me a chance to win you over on this? No. Okay. Have you tried the pumpkin spice frosted flakes? Can't eat those, bro. You can't. Those, no. the, they're, it's a corn-based cereal. That's not gluten-free. Frosted flakes. Yeah, they're no, corn. It's held
2: together by uh, ah, gotcha. held together by gluten. I think I'll look okay. it up.
1: Yeah, because I know it's a corn-based cereal, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's gluten-free. Because you're right. there could be some other things in there. You're right. Yeah. Have you tried it? No. Would you just do me a favor?
3: I'm a 46-year-old man.
1: <laughs> Are we done here? No. We at least try. <laughs> Please. Because <laughs> those pumpkin spice frosted flakes, man, are—they're insane. I mean, Target like had them like six months ago, still left over from Christmas, like in like, so that was like in February, around Valentine's Day, on their clearance aisle. They had like ten boxes for a dollar each, trying to get rid of them. I bought all ten boxes.
3: I eat bacon and eggs for breakfast. I I am firm in my sense that the dude code. Needs you to explain yourself more than me. Can you at least try it? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance.
2: Steve, if Todd shows up to work wearing a neck pillow, this is also your fault.
1: I don't think a neck after pillow. Try,
2: after, trying, after
1: trying pumpkin spice frosted flakes. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're the greatest pumpkin spice thing, All right, but it's a good place to start. The pumpkin spice frosted flakes, man. They'll, they'll make you think differently about it. I promise you. Just give it a shot. All right? Trust no. me. Trust me at least a little bit. Have you tried um, the pumpkin spice caramel Ghirardelli chocolates? The Ghirardelli chocolates with the pumpkin spice caramel in the middle. Have you tried those? No. I'm just telling you. Those are two immediate. If, if any of you are watching out there and you are similarly afflicted or skeptical, depending on what term you prefer to use when it comes to the pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice frosted flakes and then the Ghirardelli chocolate, you know, the the, the ones, the little squares and in the individual packs. The Ghirardelli chocolates with the pumpkin spice caramel. And even if I can't convert you, if I can't bring you all the way in to the amazing world of pumpkin spice, if I can't bring you all the way in, you'll at least understand and be empathetic about why why some of us live here and why some of us, why they're pumpkin. You, they're they are not pumpkin spicing all the things guys, because there's not a market for this. All right. They're only pumpkin spicing all the things because there is. Okay.
3: You're like that, uh, old school, uh, Lego spaceman in the Lego movie who just want, wants to build something <laughs> and everybody keeps like this again. So we, we don't need this right now. Stop it. And he's like, shh, 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 shh. just try oh, it. Our reality has for nothing to sakes. do with
1: this. If you don't like it, then I'll let it go, all right?
3: It's enough that I like pumpkin pie. It can stop there.
1: By the way, I've, I'm famous at our house for my French toast. It's one of the few constructive lessons I learned from my stepdad in between beatings growing up is how to make a mean French toast. And I'll give you the secret, all right? The secret is nutmeg. That's the secret ingredient. You do all the cinnamon and everything else, but nutmeg is the secret ingredient. That takes it, which is another very Christmassy spice, but nutmeg takes it to a whole new level. So last time I made French toast for dinner, I tried it. I put in pumpkin spice. You can actually buy it, you know, tones and the the, the spice. Todd is
2: very close to his walking out moment right now.
3: Can we talk about eschatology? (laughs) (laughs) Pre, post, whatever, throw it at me.
1: Somebody get raptured right now, please. Me, him, one or the other. But I threw some pumpkin spice into the French toast and the kids were like, this is dope. I mean, it was, shall I say, it was rapturous. Right? I mean, it, with, along with the nutmeg, the cinnamon and everything else, it was really good. Actually, it was pumpkin pie spice is what it was, which is just a derivative of pumpkin spice. Why are you looking at me like this? Why is this? I don't understand why this is so offensive to some of you. It's not
3: offensive. I just it's fascinating. I mean, my palate is way broader in general than yours. Right. You are highly fixated on things to the point of no leftovers. Period. Yeah, we don't have leftovers in our house. W- yeah. So, yet when you get hooked on something, it is it is a
1: full fledged tyranny up in the of the refrigerator. Belief. If they if they see a Tupperware container with food in it, they freak out. They're like, what 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 is this? Somebody have a homeschool science experiment. We don't. We don't do leftovers at my house. We just throw everything out. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'm not even hating. I'm, I like pumpkin pie a lot. Okay.
1: Then why are we arguing? Why are we fighting?
3: Because you will not stop.
1: <laughs> have I told you that? What have I told you that only 144,000 are going to be saved?
2: <laughs> do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and
1: Savior, pumpkin spice? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Can you interrupt mowing your lawn? I want to tell you about pumpkin spice, if you don't mind. Um, all right. So here's the other topic that is dominating my inbox the last 24 hours, and it's it's been it's been uh, it's been a it's been an intriguing look at the reaction to this. And it was a I don't even remember exactly what I said, but I've said it so many times in the past that I'm I'm kind of uh, aware of it, but. I don't even know how it's a debatable point that the baby boomer generation wrecked America holistically as a generation. It gave us the counterculture. I mean, you've talked about but what we're seeing now is a lot of these divisions that were opened up in like 1968, the first election after the summer of love, right? Right. Weren't you just saying that last week? Yes. Did, did you get glitter bombed in your email inbox? Were you called every name in the book? No. No. Okay. Maybe you just said it better than me then. <laughs> All right, but I have my own shadow banning going on, (laughs) but this is, you know, a variation of what you pointed out a few times last week. Yeah, All of the cultural fights we're having right now are things that were largely buried that, that er, that are largely fault lines that erupted around that time period when the baby boom generation came of age and started questioning literally every, every norm in America, every norm. And, and now what you're seeing is that that generation, holistically, doesn't mean you as an individual. Did I say you, and I'm just picking a name. Did I say uh, Betty in um, uh, Caledonia, Michigan, baby boomer, wrecked America? Is that what I said yesterday? No. No. Okay. What's happened is that generation has, by and large, now gone in two paths in their, in their twilight years. And, and one is just increasingly off the historical cliff. It's just increasingly off the cliff. And, and that clip you had yesterday that you had that I shared as well of a bunch of you know, white woke boomers at mass lecturing the black priest who's trying to preach to them, trying to get his flock to adhere to orthodoxy while they protest him for not being inclusive enough is, when I, is exactly in a snapshot in time what I'm describing. Okay, they either just continued to go, and, and that's why there had to. That's why they tried to have a Woodstock fiftieth anniversary this year, but too many of the artists were dead or with walking canes. They couldn't pull it together. But they put one. They they put one together in nineteen ninety nine, a thirtieth anniversary, and I believe they had a, a, a chronic listing of sexual assaults and robberies at that event. All right, that's why everything's everything. Every scandal has the word gate after it. All right, everything comes back to that period in time. Because that's when that generation came of age and began to uh, impose its will in the public sector. And that's what you mean by a lot of the cultural schisms we're having are not new. They were opened by the baby boom generation in the late 60s, and we never really came to full terms with them. You know, there was a thought maybe after the '80s that we had finally won this argument that this is just all foolishness. And the fact that the word "liberal" was considered a dirty word, Bill Clinton had to rebrand the entire right. Democratic Party and 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 sign into law balanced budgets, defensive marriage acts, and crime bills. Okay, uh, to for three strikes and you're outlaws. Right? There was a thought that maybe that maybe that generation just kind of got old and wiser and kind of realized this is not really the way that the world works. But what's happened now is slowly, but surely their children and grandchildren are now my generation and Aaron's are now coming to the fore with the, with the lessons or uh, lies that they were taught by that, by their parents and grandparents in that generation. And they're now just going back to the arguments that were raised in the late sixties. And like, let's go ahead and finish this whole thing called America off. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the one path. The other path that most of that generation has pursued is this idea that we can accommodate some level of, we can do partial depravity and love America too. That we can, and, and, you know, we can, we can, um, um, we can simultaneously fight to decriminalize homosexuality around the world while we defend religious freedom. That we can be pro-life with exceptions that's the other path this generation's taken. Now, there's always a narrow road. And I've, I, it's, it's been interesting. The reaction to this in my inbox has been, has been a flurry. But it has, not been, it has not been unanimous. I'd say there's a good 30 to 40% of you that agree with me. The reaction that I've received, though, that I've been the most interested by is there's been several of you that have accused me of engaging in identity politics. Let's unpack that for a minute by by castigating an entire generation. Let, let's, let's play around with that for a little bit. Todd, when we talk about the 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 priest sex abuse scandal, and I and I and I'm an evangelical, do you view me as Um, playing identity politics against Catholicism.
3: Never, because you know I've said on this show, in order to criticize that scandal, you need to get behind me, because I'll
1: take care of it first. It's my tribe. And why why would you criticize the scandal? Because it's true. Right. Right? Because, and because it's true, and because you believe in the truths of your church that predate this scandal by a couple millennia, you are rightfully concerned that this affects the holistic integrity of an institution that you revere. Oh, indeed. Right. Aaron, have 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 have, have we not done numerous conversations and discussions on this show about the vapidness, vapidity of the American Evangelical Church? Uh, all the time do we do we not point out heretics within the american evangelical church false teachers, yeah
3: and do you uh, get mad at me when i say roll tide evangelicalism
1: n- no and, and 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 why for all the same reasons it's true and it has a and if it's not addressed then it will um impugn the integrity of those who cling to these labels in spite of these things if your immediate response to, to what I said about the baby boomer generation is to, to claim that this is identity politics, you are correct. We're not the ones playing identity politics, though. You are. You're the one that has determined that your identity as a baby boomer is what matters the most to you, and that's why you're offended and insulted. If if what you say about the state of American evangelicalism is true, I'm not offended or insulted at you. I'm offended and insulted at American evangelicalism. (laughs) Why would I be offended and insulted at the person who told me the truth? You didn't cause it to happen. And what's been fascinating for me is to watch a group of you leaping to the defense of your generation. Why? 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 And then you can't tell me that what I'm saying is it true. You're just telling me it's not true about you. Well, then if it's not true about you, why would you seek then to, to defend the integrity of your generation as opposed to differentiate yourself from it? I don't even see how this is historically within doubt. Prior to this generation, we didn't debate as a society like any of the things we're debating right now. Doesn't mean we didn't have existential debates. Doesn't mean previous generations weren't wrong about things. Most of my generation isn't even asking these probing questions and is largely just given up which has set the stage for Aaron's generation to now pick up the baton and say, we're going to go for all the wrong answers to these questions.
2: Heck we're going to identify as a wrong
1: answer. Yes. And be proud of our wrong answer. No one's been, no one's ever been prouder of our wrong answers before. And one of the reasons they're doing it is because they look at the way the baby boom generation will just incessantly apologize and cover for the sins of its champions and proxies and, and tolerate and permit and approve things from them they'd never tolerate or approve from their children and grandchildren in their own homes. I mean, how excited would your daughters be to go to mass on Sundays if, if, if daddy told them that the pre-sex abuse scandal wasn't real it was all made up. And it was really just a, a, a combined plot from Protest, anti-Catholic Protestant haters and the liberal media to take down God's chosen church. That would probably play until they're about 12, 13, 14 years old, right? Sure. And then when they got out into the world and started meeting people from various walks of life, how would it play when they were 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, do you think?
3: Oh, it already
1: doesn't it, play with my two oldest. Right. You know why it doesn't play? Because it's not true. Now, are there anti-Catholic Protestant haters that were like that, that? Have exploited that the, the, the scandal? Sure. Has the liberal media exploited the scandal? Sure. But they could only exploit it if it was what? True. Well, true. If it had never happened, there'd be nothing to exploit. If it it'd happened, be a blog. Yes, yes. If it never happened, it'd, mm. be, it'd be a blog. It, it's only exploitable because it's true, right? Yes. Help me to then understand. Why there's a group of people in a a really smart audience that wants to rush to the defense of their generation. Did they not? I wasn't alive in 1968. Were you? No. No. I wasn't even alive in 1972. I was breastfeeding with my mama in August of 74 when Nixon resigned from office. You know, they lived through all this stuff. They, They didn't. They didn't. They didn't live through all of the the, uh, the the rallies and riots and protests. They they didn't live through the bra burnings. They they didn't. I mean, help me to understand why I'm the bad guy for just simply quoting the history of their own generation. Do you know the answer to that?
3: Uh, well, well. It- They'd rather do that than make themselves the bad guy. Displacement. I mean, this is classic victimology is what's going on.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. Like when when you guys tell me, when people say to me, uh, so-and-so star, you know, Joel Osteen here. Because I get an email about Joel Osteen once a week in my inbox. You guys take your theology so seriously. Why do you have the Joel Osteen board game on your show? It's a gag gift an apologist friend of mine gave me this as a board game as a gag gift. And we put it up there, by the way, one of the, to get responses like that. We're kind of wondering how much of our audience like, hey, thanks for putting Joel Osteen up there. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really encouraged that the only reactions we get to that are bad. Yep. All right. Um, we get all the right triggerings to that. But, it, you know, somebody points out to me, uh, you know, this guy's like the best-selling author in American evangelicalism. And, you know, he's out there preaching that God, hot prosperity gospel. I'm not like, how dare you criticize evangelicalism? I'm like, yeah, he's a total hack. Maybe this is easier for me. I, I grew up in a home where on a given day, I didn't know when I hear Dave's ram charger coming down the street, I didn't know if if he was going to come home and and be cool and take us to dinner and Dairy Queen or Cedar Point and tease us about girls Uh, you know, if he was going to get drunk, smoke a joint and be pissed because, you know, work sucked and then take it out on the rest of us and have to explain what the marks meant the next day at school. You know, I, 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 I'm just not a joiner by nature and it doesn't, it's not always positive. You know, I have to, I have to work at intimacy and relationships. My wife will tell you that I've had to, I've gotten much better at it over the years, but I've had to work at it. detachment is kind of a default setting for me. So, it's helped me politically because I I don't need to have, I don't need to feel like I'm a part of a group to feel like I'm on the right side. I I don't, I don't need to feel like I, I, you know, I belong. And we moved all the time too. When I was a kid, I went to 11 different schools, K through 12. So I was the new kid constantly. So combined, you know, on a daily basis, I didn't know if Dave was going to protect us or um, predator us. And then, you know, I'd switch schools sometimes two, three times. One time I did it three times in one year. So constantly being the new kid in school and then not knowing what the environment was at my home on a daily basis. I, I got by on just on my own individualism. I learned how to live with that. I, I got, detachment came easy to me. You know, um, I had to learn how to appreciate the fact that Dave provided for us and, and let me live in a nice neighborhood that go to a good school and with good friends but at the same time recognize over here though, he's a terrible example as a father and a husband. I had to learn these lessons growing up and it prepared me, you know, like Joseph says, which you meant for evil, God used for good. It prepared me to do this job and to navigate the minefields because a lot of the minefields that my, people, that my peers and predecessors have fallen into is largely just group identity. You know, I'm going to abandon the truth because this is my buddy, I'm gonna abandon the truth because this is my tribe or my party or my sect within a party, right? I I don't care about any of that. And I don't need any of that. And if you hate my guts, but I think you're right, I'll help you. And then if you love me and I think you're wrong, you know, a good friend of mine called me up yesterday, left me a message. Will you help so-and-so with so-and-so? And I'm like, no, no. I'm not carrying his baggage. No, is the answer. I can, I, can, I can make all the points I want to make without that. So no, nothing against you. I love you, but the answer is no, I'm not doing that. Nope. I'm, probably not the answer she wanted to hear, but oh well, you know, I'm okay with it. That's not always a good thing though. You know, with personal relationships I do value, I have to work at intimacy in those relationships because I'm fine with detachment. I had, to live, I had to learn to live that way. So I don't understand. I don't feel the need to rally to defend Gen X. I don't feel the need to rally to defend, you know, I, I'm a huge Michigan fan. I don't, when you attack us for not winning a, a beating, not beating Ohio state once in the last 15 years, the only time they, we did it was they were on probation with an interim coach and not winning a championship in the last 15 years and being an overrated program. Do I bristle at that when you guys bring that up? No. You know why I don't? Because who's more offended at that than, than, than you so, are? I am! Because I watched all 15 of those damn years. Right? I'm the, I'm the guy whose son used to cry when Michigan lost and then just got so used to Michigan losing the games he cared about the most, I can't get him to sit down and watch the games now. I don't, I don't know why I would... Exp- I don't know why... I, no one cares more about it than I do. I've lived through all of the losses and defeats. So I, it, it is just a natural setting for me because of my background and how I was raised. I'm just not a tribe, tribesman. I'm just not. Even when, it, even when it would suit me, even when I should be, you know, your predecessor in that chair, Jen used to say to me when VIPs would come in here, please be charming, Steve. You really don't have to automatically put them on the spot. At least make them show their ass before you do. Because just, I don't, I, don't, I don't need this on the way the way a lot of other people do this for a living do. I just don't. I'd like for you to like me. It's not really a prere- prerequisite to me. If you don't, then I'm just going to go home and live my life like I would if you did. So I don't understand the the need. In many respects, it reminds me of the whole Urban Meyer conversation last summer at this time with Ohio State. So... What you're gonna go ten and two next year if you fire a guy for protecting a wife beater I mean <laughs> i don't I don't understand well because uh it was the Buckeye assistant coach those really weren't real marks on Courtney Smith's face. I've just never gotten into that. I don't get that so if if your response to what I said about the baby boom generation holistically yesterday was talking about my generation, Roger Daltrey, congratulations, all you did was confirm my criticism. Actually, you didn't challenge it, you confirmed it. Because when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that yelps is the one you hit. I mean, it's the generation that has opened all the fault lines that we are trying to heal in this culture, this generation opened them all. And is, is now offering really no solution holistically offering really no solution on how to heal them and close them the average fox news viewer that just cheers on everything trump says and does as 4d chess is 68 and a half years old what generation is that i rest my case
3: yep okay
1: so no i'm not taking it back and no i don't resent regret it no if anything you've the reaction of several of you who are offended at what I said or the reasons you've expressed your offense has only confirmed it for me. And if that means you won't listen or tune in again, okay. And enough of you don't, that I don't do this anymore. Okay. Cool. See you on the flip side after the commercial break. <laughs> Realestateagentsitrust.com was started because there is too much frustration with real estate agents that you can't trust. All right, so Glenn Beck and some of his associates learned this lesson the hard way. That's why they started this company a few years ago, so you wouldn't have to follow in their footsteps. And what sets this referral service apart from the others that you hear promoted elsewhere? is those are really done under the guise of finding clients for agents. Here, this is about finding an agent that is worthy of having you for a client, an agent with a proven track record in real estate, an agent who's got a marketing plan other than... uh, hey, let's just do an open house again this weekend. That two people will come to, and then an agent who flashes white power signs. No, uh, an agent a third uh, is personable uh, that has a rapport that you get along with. Why? Because there's going to be a a lot of at times pressure, testy situations, last minute. Uh, requests. And if that rapport is there, it's just going to make the process go better and smoother. So if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes, that means you want a real estate agent that you can trust. You can find them right now vetted for you at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website, com. All right, let's put the whole baby boomer thing to bed and I'll get more follow-up emails. I want you to know I'm just going to delete them now. We're moving on. Okay. Uh, this is from Thomas Sutterfield who writes, Hello, Steve, Todd, and Aaron. I wanted to share my personal story of interaction with your show when I began watching the extremely originally titled Steve Day Show. I was struck by an explosion of mediocrity. But then, thanks to Todd's hardware care tips, iron sharpens iron, and Aaron's wisdom on road safety, don't end up in a ditch. I was compelled to continue tuning in. Your program is affixed as my 13th favorite show on the Blaze Network. (laughs) it's great every evening sitting next to the stoplight at my kitchen table i watch as you shatter both my cheeto jesus saves and orange man bad internal inclinations anyway i hope this feedback motivates you to improve the show and earn my 35th pressing of the like button on your invisible facebook page p.s this is satire should we let snopes know do you think Snopes recognized that that was satire, gentlemen? Um, now they have a rate. Did you see they have actually
2: a rating st- scale for satire? Except they're actually going to be determining for us, thankfully, uh, whether or not it's actually good satire or not. That's that's basically the rating system for satire now. But they do have one for satire. But see, I think the your a proper question, response I think we to should, that
1: is yeah. who the hell even knows goes to Snopes anymore? I think that's the proper reaction, don't you? That's the right answer.
2: <sighs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Although, um, the dead giveaway should have been when he claimed we were his 13th favorite show. Because, there, Todd, there is no way we're that high. <laughs> True so story. The, the dead giveaway that, that this thing was tongue-in-cheek the whole way is when he claimed we rated that high. We are forevermore, quote the Raven, other programming. That's what we are around
3: here. Yeah, he missed that opportunity. Yes.
1: What do you think would happen if I went to the brass here and said, how about change for 2020? It's rebranding. In fact, inspired by Beto O'Rourke. Let's try a rebrand. And let's call the show other programming.
3: Glenn Beck seems like he's amenable to certain outside. I could see Glenn being for
1: it before people, you know, uh, talk him out of it. Yeah. But I, I could see creatively initial inclination would be, "Eh, tell me more. And then like, you know, the people actually have to make this thing profitable would be like, you can't call yourselves the programming. <laughs> all right. Um, I've been waiting. Uh, I wanted to make sure I had enough time to share this note, all right? This is this is a cool note. This is from Susan. It's a little long, but I think it's worth it, all right? I, I strongly suspe- suspect there are certain things you and I would disagree about. For example, I am a woman and a pastor. And while I haven't heard you specifically address the whole egalitarian versus complementarian issue, I do suspect we would disagree on that. Nevertheless, I am very orthodox in my beliefs and teachings. Not long ago, a man tweeted that preaching is reserved for male voices, which caused me to tweet that I think people should be more concerned with whether what I preach is true to scripture rather than whether my voice is male, especially in the day and age we live in where so much deception abounds. I'm a part-time pastor and bivocational And your Blaze radio program airs during my working hours. Actually, it starts during my lunch hour. And I try to listen whenever I can, but I often have to catch up listening to the podcasts, which I'm okay with. Since I discovered you guys a few months ago, I've been absolutely hooked, despite the predominant maleness of most of the panels and the dude code. Primarily, the attraction for me is your strong faith, largely well expressed, along with the balanced approach to the president. I didn't vote for him. I also didn't vote for her. Instead, I voted for the Constitution Party candidate, knowing that he likely wouldn't win. Like you, I'm neither Orange Man Bad or Cheeto Jesus Saves, and it is a great relief to hear that expressed honestly, praising him when he does something right and criticizing him when he does something wrong. In any case, my whole point here was to thank you for the interview with Beckett Cook. I heard part of it yesterday when it was live, and I had to finish it today at work, and I had tears streaming down my face, so it's a good thing that I was in a private office. The primary reason for the tears was the memory of what Jesus saved me from, which included sexual sin, but the wrongs I have done and the wrongs done to me, even though they did not include homosexuality. It did include being abused for about three years as a child by a relative, which included pornography. All of that, being sexualized early, resulted in promiscuity and an addiction to pornography that I struggled with off and on. When Jesus saved me, I knew that his sacrifice had washed me clean. Hearing Beckett's testimony was a powerful reminder of that. Even though I briefly relapsed after my late husband, Daniel, went home to be with the Lord, I repented and Jesus faithfully and justly forgave me again. Additionally, my sister is a self-professed radical feminist lesbian pagan, and I still pray for her, but not as often as I used to. And that is one of the convictions for me that resulted from your interview with Beckett. A thousand times thank you for that interview. By the way, I've been meaning to leave a five-star review for you guys, and I absolutely will, by his grace, Susan. So I wanted to set aside enough time to share this email for three reasons. One, it's a little lengthy, but extremely eloquent and worthy of the time. The The second reason I wanted to set it aside is... Because Susan articulates why we do things like we did with Beckett Cook on the show a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed that podcast, Beckett Cook, uh, very successful uh, graphic or, or, or a set designer uh, on Hollywood sets, has worked with names you know, including Oprah Winfrey. And has lived as a gay man since what he said, what, 17 years old, I believe? Yeah. And I don't even want to retell the story because me... Giving you the play-by-play doesn't come close to the actual justice of the of the game itself the broadcast itself You just have to go and listen to it But he's left that life behind now And is a christian and it doesn't mean everything is perfect in his life And he's still not struggling with the same temptations that he used to identify with But he has a whole new life and identity now That he seeks after more because it it fulfills him more it contents him more than those desires he still has could ever do. And that's why we share those stories so that if you're the young man, I won't out you, but a, a young man emailed me from here in Des Moines uh, recently about his own struggles with sexual sin. And I wrote one of the things I wrote back to him, cause this is an area, you know, I was talking in the last segment about joinerism. Isn't really a threat to me the, 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 the reason I've not sold out is everybody keeps trying to get me to sell out on joinerism or money. Joinerism is irrelevant to me. I, I don't care. Money is somewhat relevant to me, but it's not prevalent to me, right? Meaning I, you know, we, I, I like to earn a good living. I like to be able to you know spoil my wife and kids if I can. I like to have a nice TV in the man cave to watch my football games. So it's relevant to me but it's not prevalent, it's not a driving force. It's a force, right? And when I, you know, when I went on my mission trip to Haiti a few years ago, you know, the, the airline still charges full price for the ticket, they didn't give us the do-gooder discount. right? Romance, as I used to, my old college roommate, Mike Bartram used to say, romance without finance, a damn nuisance, all right? So she's more than likely to say yes, if you got a job and a car than if you don't, fellas, okay? So money is relevant to me, but not prevalent. So that won't do it either. Now, if anybody would came to me with like, you know, uh, a Nicole Kidman lookalike and said, she's yours. I would had to sweat that one out because those it's, it, those are the things that tempt me. Not the, not the come be a part of our cool kids group. Well, I was part of the cool kids in high school and it's way overrated by the way. All right. So that stuff I'm not tempted by. The sexual sin aspect thing. I get that though. That hits home for me. And so this young man wrote to me and I shared with him some of my own experiences. And one of, the, one of the things I encouraged him with was, spend more of your free time serving God and serving others. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have free time and downtime. You do. You know, I got downtime. I need it. But I, got, I have to fill it with something else. Otherwise I'm gonna end, back, end up back in the places I used to fill it with. So, you know, I fill it with, I go get the rosters for the 2019 college football season fire up the old NCAA football, 2014, upload the new rosters and you know, 1030 at night when I still can't get to sleep for another hour or two and everybody's in bed, that's what I do late at night. So be intentional about how I fill my free time. But you know, no one has ever, when I was on my mission trip to Haiti, I wasn't like, I wonder what the Wi-Fi is around here at the hotel. So I get my porn fix. When you're serving God on that level, when you're that intimate with God, When you're serving him and other people and you see real suffering in the world, your whole like, well, you know, my wife went to bed early for the third night in a row, so I guess I'm entitled to go to Pornhub. Seems really freaking dumb and stupid. Your pity party that you put on yourself to justify the stuff that you engage in to fill that hole in your heart when you're actually filling that hole in your heart with real things. And I, that's the second reason I wanted to share Susan's note is to reset that. Because that's what you heard from Beckett Cook. What he said is, man, those, those desires, I've lived this way for 17 or for 30 years. They, they didn't just disappear. And, and they're out there, you know, hanging out. Like, hey, we're here, you know, when you get over this whole Jesus thing. And I have to be self-aware of that. But he says, you know, what I find is, I'm far less inclined to listen to those voices when I'm actually living the life God called me to live from the moment that he created me. And then here's the third reason I wanted to to read it. Susan is correct that I do not agree with her views on egalitarianism versus complementarianism. So my question would be, because I think this is very relevant to what stymies us as a people in a movement. What's our hierarchy of values? What's our, what's our priority level? Because that line of reasoning aside, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't amen more to every other word Susan wrote. And it seems pretty clear to me from her testimony, Susan's desire is to glorify God with her life. That's the number one requirement for any believer. That should be the number one desire of any believer. What we have a tendency to do though, and I have been guilty of this in the past, that's why I had to to learn from this, is to stop reading at the part where Susan expressed an opinion we don't agree with. and never get to the thing that really mattered the most in this exchange because Jesus didn't die for a systematic theology he didn't die for hermeneutic he didn't die for a, a fascinating exegetical conclusion or commentary he died for Susan for me for you for all of you. Remember when I said that money is relevant to me, but it's not prevalent. It's not the primary directive, but I'm not, you know, Amish either. Did I say therefore money wasn't important to me? Is that what I said? No. No. Is that what I said? What I said though, is it wasn't preeminent to me. It's not a driving force to me. If the blaze calls and says, you know what? Halfway through your three-year contract here, Things are going so well. Let's get rip it up. We're going to pay you double. Think I'm going to say no? I Hope not. Of course not. I like those coattails. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say Dunker Shane. Is what I'm going to say. All right. I mean, like one of my favorite gifts is a little baby doing the laud in the in the aisle. I'm going to be doing that. All right. Valley Church is going to be like. Well, we get more tied from the day's house. Everyone's going to be happy. But if the blaze called me up and said, "Hey, yeah." We're happy to double your pay if you'll say a few things we don't want you that you don't believe to do, which they wouldn't do because they know I wouldn't do it anyway. But am I going to take, would you be happy if I took the money then? I'd be pissed. Yeah. So I don't agree with Susan's views of gender roles in the church. I don't think they're biblical. And if she wanted to write me a separate wording on that to say, hey, I want to discuss my views on egalitarianism and, and why I think it's the right approach biblically. we'd sit here and discuss and go back and forth and be happy to disagree and debate her, correct? Yeah. Correct. But is that really the primary force of why Susan is writing this note? Now, the primary force is that Susan was encouraged, that she was uplifted and edified by Beckett's testimony, that therefore by the grace of God went her once and that she sees Jesus has loved changing Beckett the way it has changed her and is still changing her. So what is preeminent? What matters the most? So when I say Jesus didn't die for a theology, did I, did I say that Jesus doesn't care about theology? Spent an awful lot of time in his earthly ministry doing what? Teaching theology.
3: Well,
1: He is. He's theology, theology. incarnate. Very well said Todd. Yes. He is the word made flesh. He in and of himself is a theology. You're right. But ultimately, without changing people, people aren't changed by a theology. They're changed by Jesus. They're not saved by a theology. They're saved by Jesus. They're not sanctified by a theology. They're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And when that salvation and sanctification comes, they're edified by a right theology. That doesn't mean a good theology can't change your mind and sharpen your mind on things. Maybe it will sharpen Susan's mind on gender roles in the church. She's probably thinking maybe it'll sharpen yours, all right? But ultimately, if Jesus, if, if Susan had all the right views on complementarianism versus egalitarianism, but hadn't asked Jesus to forgive her her sins. Would that be enough to save her? Nope. She had a perfectly uh, eschatological viewpoint laid out. Would that be enough? No. And I think that's that's the third and most important reason I wanted to share her note with our audience today. What is preeminent? By his own actions, God has made clear what is preeminent people. People are preeminent. He didn't die for his creation, he died for people. When he came to earth, he didn't become a plant he became a person when he chose apostles and disciples didn't choose scrolls he chose people when he performed miracles he did them to witness to and to benefit people The Imago day is what is the most important prevalent thing in the kingdom of God, to God. And he has demonstrated this all the way through his revelation. My, I've had to learn over the years to emulate that. And I want to encourage some of you in my audience that I think need to learn that lesson to do the same. Have a great weekend. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV audience, our best and worst of the week. Until Monday, John 317. This is
0: Steve Dace.
2: On the Blaze Radio Network.